Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in, these deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Hi, this is Ralph Lawler. Welcome to the Love, the Jam podcast. What's up, everyone? It's the Love, the Jam. Jazz come to you with Rob. As always, with Rob. How you doing, Rob? Uh, uh, it's been a long week. <laughs> and the second round of the playoffs has not been super. I guess the Warriors... Um, the Warriors, yesterday's uh, games were good. Grizzlies was is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think Buck Celtics has been like entertaining. I, the games have been both of them were blowouts in different directions. Mm-hmm. Um, though it has been interesting, I guess. And then, do you he, think? Th- do you think that series is going long? I still kind of feel that way. No. Yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, the Bucks. I mean, yeah, I, I think they'll win at least one at home, if not two. Yeah. Um, and Heat Sixers is just absolutely miserable i'm glad we're doing a pod so i don't have to put that on yeah game uh, game two of that game is on as we're doing the pod right now i think it's probably third quarter but uh yeah it's not been a game that pulled me that kept me on the tv that's for sure yeah no i mean the, the sixers without Embiid. i mean honestly it's kind of i will slander the heat every chance i get it's kind of pathetic of the heat that they're not up more than like 13 like I was yeah. I watched most of the first half and the Sixers without Embiid are just they can't do anything yeah. on either end of the court. I don't like how are the Heat not destroying this team? Yeah, I think DeAndre the Heat, Jordan the is probably the right. worst veteran player in the NBA. I can't believe Doc. I just can't. I can't believe he's playing. I just I truly can't believe it. Especially considering all the plus minus stats are going towards small ball these two games and Doc is still playing DJ while he's getting eviscerated. It's uh, 
it's really sad. It's really just, I mean, Doc will probably get fired after the series and yeah. that he played DJ is like chef's kiss. It's just like pure Doc Rivers. He might be asking to get fired. I, I really don't know. I mean, yeah, it's, maybe it's, he's trying to get out of there. It's borderline elder abuse. It's, yeah. it's bad. <laughs> Uh, we're here to talk about some Clippers and we're continuing our exit interview series. Today, we're going to talk about Reggie Jackson, Norman Powell. Both those exit interviews are on 2win3hoops.com right now. Go check them out. And uh, we're also going to be talking some end of the roster players, some of your favorites uh, like Jay Scrub, um, Keon Johnson, Xavier Moon, and uh, Winyan Gabriel, Semi Ojale, Rodney Hood will also get some mentions. This might have actually been there. Their serious mention, but let's start with uh, with players that matter a little bit more. Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson. Now, I, I tend to do this thing where I take a skim at some stats just to give you guys some of a, a point of reference, and they feel very weird looking at Reggie Jackson. He averaged about seventeen points a game, five assists on about two point three turnovers, almost four rebounds. His splits were dreadful. He shot thirty two point six percent from three. He shot under 40%, 39.2% from the field. Um, he shot a good 85% from the line, but really a terrible shooting season for Reggie. Uh, one of his worst of his career, if not really the worst since he became a, a substantial basketball player for, for like a, a, a long-term number of games, especially relative to the Clippers. I mean, we all remember Reggie Jackson last year was a sniper. He shot 43.3% from, from three then. He shot 41.3%. His first stint as a Clipper, which was only 17 games, but still he came in as a complete dead eye. So for him to drop more than 10%, you know, felt substantial. Of course, we all know that his reps went up substantially as the team's only point guard most of the season. He looked gassed very often. He also caught COVID and was even more gas initially coming back from COVID then. So I feel like a lot of his splits kind of get thrown under the rug. Um, I particularly do that. I know that when we were giving him grades in our round table, I gave him a B plus without much hesitation. I thought Reggie was admirable. Not to mention that he's been on this podcast. He, he did a, a, yeah. an incredible guest spot on Can't the pod. Can't slander a guest star. Can't slander a guest. After they got blown out by the 76ers, uh, no less, he came on the pod and 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 really kind of embodied Reggie's attitude was kind of just do whatever the team needed including the podcast i'm including the podcast as a team <laughs> and have a smile on his face constantly he was stretched thin all year and i think for the most part he did an admirable job and i kind of liked what i saw him uh, as a playmaker as the season went on he had good stretches where he was playing good basketball putting his head down trying to get to the rim he had good repertoire, uh, good repertoire, good rapport with Vika Zubat. And, and there, that duo was proliferative, one of the more proliferative duos actually in the league as far as points per possession. Um, so so that was really cool to see. And I feel like Reggie, Reggie kind of played well from a point guard standpoint, and it might be something that helps the Clippers down the line. So I generally feel like this was not a lost season for Reggie, despite the fact that he was asked to do too much too often rob how did you feel about reggie jackson this year i mean he was mostly pretty bad but i don't blame him <laughs> like I, 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 that's the thing is it's all relative to expectations and context i think i gave him a b or b plus like reggie jackson shouldn't even be the second best offensive player on your team he probably really shouldn't even be the third best like 
the fact that he was forced to be the Clippers' number one option and like lead scorer and ball handler, like yeah. it's not his fault that he was terrible when the Clippers asked him to do that. Like it, it's way beyond his pay grade. Like it's Reggie Jackson, who's a uh, seems like a very confident guy for the most part. He would tell you he's not like a number one option in mm-hmm. in, in the NBA, you know, material. He's just not. Um, and and so like I don't blame him. Like he was really bad for a lot of the season. Like his numbers are like you said, the shooting splits are are abysmal. Um, and like you know, all the advanced numbers say he was really really bad and a, a, a negative impact player this year. And like that's all probably true, but like the Clippers needed just somebody to get up shots and to handle the ball, and that guy was Reggie Jackson. Um, and as I think Lucas has mentioned, and as a couple other people mentioned on the site in comments, um, his variance was actually really helpful because there were games where he was like unplayably bad, but then there were also games where he was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that like they were going to lose those bad games anyway, and then the good games they were actually able to win. And that's part of why the Clippers were able to get to like a 42 and 40 season. So he was super inconsistent, but that inconsistency was actually kind of to the Clippers benefit rather than if he just <laughs> consistently been bad. Um, the fact that he varied between atrocious and pretty good was, you know, uh, actually helpful for the Clippers. But yeah, like I, he was not good. I, like you, you mentioned the point guard stuff. Like I, I think in, if you're just talking about a point guard who like brings the ball up and gets offense into sets, like I think he did that. I don't think he did too much else. Like considering how high his usage was, his averaging less than five assists is not great. It, it was mm-hmm. a sign of how little he got downhill. But yeah, like I, I, you know, this was the highest usage he'd had since he was right in the middle of his prime in 2016, which was probably the best year of his career for the Pistons. Mm -hmm. Uh, This was his second highest usage rate. And it's just, it's well past time. Like last year was one of the other better years of his career. And that year he had a usage of 19.9. This year was 27.6. Right. Uh, Just way too high. And yeah, like I, I don't, I don't blame him. I think he was mostly not very good, but like there was no expectation for him to be considering the roster around him and and the Paul George and Kyle Leonard injuries and Norm Powell injuries. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I tend to just, I, I feel like you could feel when Reggie w- was aggressive, like very palpably the way he would get downhill, the way uh, he would, he would draw two on strong drives. You know, I felt it in stretches, like very clearly. And then you could kind of feel like, when Reggie was settling a lot, settling for mid-range jumpers. Granted, a lot of that is is taking what the defense gives him, and I understand that. But uh, he would have different mindsets very often in the season, and then you could feel, oh, we might win this game because of Reggie Jackson. I think that's a very good point. You know, when Reggie was bad, it was already a thing when Reggie was bad that we were probably going to lose games with Paul George. So you could imagine, let alone Reggie being bad on a team without Paul George, that that team generally had had no chance. I remember we we were following a stat when he scored twenty plus points in a game. You know the team was was very much better, uh, even on on terrible efficiency. But uh, but Reggie Reggie was was very hot and cold this year. But again, you know that's not the catch and shoot Reggie that was such a, a mm-hmm. nuisance for teams, particularly when he got inserted into the starting lineup alongside Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George as a starter. Even then, Reggie Jackson often was one of the top field goal attempts guy on the team, even in playoff games, but they were always good looks. They were always open catch and shoot shots. And, and he was elite uh, from as far as catch and shoot goes. I believe he was around 45% last year on catch and shoot threes, if not more. 
uh, I think actually it was, it was more around 50%. I remember looking at that stat constantly, particularly when Paul George came back, uh, knowing that Reggie just has not been able to get the shot selection that we've been used to him getting. Do you feel like this was all of his ball reps this year were are generally going to be a neutral asset when it comes to, to next year when he's back in his role? One thing I did notice in the Minnesota game, uh, Paul George was very, very off. And then Reggie Jackson had some drives to the basket that got George, I want to say, two open threes. And mm-hmm. he hit both of them. And then Paul George got rolling. I remember when that happened, I was like, man, if we win this game, I'm going to remember that Reggie Jackson kind of snapped George out of his funk and the ball reps will have mattered from this season. Unfortunately, the Clippers ended up not winning any more games, but that was something that felt kind of like a nice thing for me to see when it came to Reggie. And of course, Reggie Jackson also completely carried the team against the Pelicans and almost got them that win too. Do you feel like any of that stuff really translates or, or is it going to be hard to see it considering his, the less touches he'll have next year? I don't really think so. I mean, he's been, he's been the lead ball handler before. It was just when he was younger and better and on teams that, I mean, did have more help and offensive options than, you know, than this year's Clippers team. Like for the Pistons for several years, he wasn't like those teams were not very good. Um and so, like, I, I don't think these are really new reps for him. I mean, they're reps with these guys, but like, he's had the ball in his hands plenty of times in his career. Like, I don't, I don't think he really gained that much. He's in his thirties. Like, I, I, yeah, I, I don't really think so. Like, I think it, it maybe gave him more confidence. I think that really the biggest thing is just that, like, some of his clutch shots and just his overall personality and the fact that like he carried the team to you know some wins really enforced him as kind of this you know Clippers fan favored and and maybe legend is pushing it a little bit too far um <laughs> i don't but, care he's a clipper legend in my book but I, yeah yeah, yeah i mean it, it might not be i mean I, I think like that's the real thing about this season for reggie like i don't really think he got any better as a player or learned anything new like he's in his what like 11th nba season mm-hmm. he's in his 30s he's played tens of thousands of nba minutes like these games i don't think taught him very much but like they were still you know, on nights where he was good, it was still fun to watch him, and, and the Clippers fans really enjoyed him, and the chants of Reggie, Reggie uh, were always a, a treat. There were some MVP chants, which were incredible. Um, so, yeah, like, I, I think those are the things that I, I take away from the season, not necessarily any, like, on-court development kind of stuff. Yeah, shout-out to Reggie also, who, after early in his career, being criticized a lot for not being a leader and not accepting his role, really yeah. embrace that this year i mean the the reggie chance the peanut butter uh, treats that the crowd <laughs> was given like the team and the fans really got behind reggie jackson it probably all started last year in the playoffs and yeah. it's just kind of grown this year and reggie has been so receptive of it he's been super great to the media he's been super great to the fans there have been countless stories of him kind of going out of his way just to be that guy, like essentially the face of this team this year. And uh, that's another reason I think a lot, a lot of us appreciated his season even more uh, and probably in that round table graded him above uh, his stats. Cause I think he, he deserves a lot of kudos for really keeping on a happy face and what has otherwise been a really just tragic season for the Clippers. So uh, kudos to Reggie. And uh, we're going to take a quick break, come right back and talk about the few games that Norman Powell played for the Clippers after this. 
Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in, these deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But MIDI Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. All right, and we're back. So it's time to talk a little bit about Norm Powell. There's not much to talk about. Norm Powell only played five games as a Clipper. His, his stats were pretty much unbelievable for the most part he shot well he played seven. Oh, he played seven are we including the plans the uh, playing games like you can't even find stats on them anyway <laughs> yeah, I know. it's what like the they hell? never existed it's very yeah, weird it, it is it is very strange yeah i don't really know what to even call the the playing games I, I i do have the stats handy but reggie reggie um i mean norm norm played well for the clippers when when he first came in he only played five games he got injured pretty quickly um I mean, he was great in the regular season while he played um, an average great stats. He was shooting cra- crazy well um, pretty much every game, aside from that one game at Dallas when he hurt his foot. Aside from that, I mean, he was 9 for 16 versus Milwaukee in that blowout. He was 6 for 12 again at, at Memphis in another blowout. Um, he was 6 for 10 and 6 for 11 in his two return games in the regular season. And Dallas, he was 5 for 14, but a, probably a more encouraging thing was that he had six assists. So really all we have to talk about with Norm is kind of just these impressions. Norm Powell came in kind of billed as this do-it-all scorer, you know, his uh, his splits from his year at Portland, 
especially his shooting stats have been creeping up and up. He was a 40, 40.6% shooter from three. And uh, last year with the Raptors during the, the time he was with them, he uh, was even better from three. He did not shoot as well last year with the Blazers when he was there, but he's been a much improved shooter. He's a downhill scorer. His uh, assist game left something to be desired, though we did see some flashes of that in the Dallas game. Um, but he's a 20-point scorer. He can be a 20-point scorer. Particularly, he was one on a Blazers team that had C.J. McCollum and, and Damian Lillard. So he's exactly the type of you know pressure release, release valve that you would think a team with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, especially different rotations with one of the two out there. He's the kind of guy that's going to take a lot of pressure out there just from his aggression. Um, I love that even though he was not great in the Milwaukee and I'm sorry, in the Pelicans game, that he was aggressive. He was trying to get downhill. He was trying to get to the basket and miss a lot of shots. His defense was to me, was pretty up and down, especially late in those playing games, Felt like he made a lot of defensive rotation errors. Um, but he has gone deep in the playoffs. He has a long wingspan to make up a little bit for his height. Uh, and I, we have seen him kind of get at it defensively. He seems good enough to kind of be at least average on that end, especially if he's not taking anybody substantial defensively. So that's encouraging, particularly when we have a guy like Luke Kennard, who, who's still one of the weaker defenders on the team. If we need to go to a guy like Norm out there, uh, his, his, uh, he, pick and roll game really has left something to be kind of seen in the future as far as what he do as a clipper, but he's a scorer. He's a shooter. Um, he's an average enough defender. He can hit shots from anywhere on the court. He gets to the line, which is great to see. And he seems to be the guy that the Clippers could use. Rob, how are you feeling about Norm Powell? And, you know, from the glimpses we saw this season, but more so kind of how it's going to keep you watching him through a certain lens next year. It's interesting. I actually don't really love the fit with him on this team. Um, I I do think, like, I, I was totally behind the trade. I think I gave the trade an A or an A minus or whatever. Um, because, I I mean, it was a huge talent upgrade. Like, Norm yeah, Powell absolutely. and Robert Covington individually are each much better than any player that the Clippers gave up in that trade. Like, Sir Keon Johnson is really young. And, like, I guess Justice Winslow was kind of young-ish um, when they gave up a pick. But, like, you know, it was really just you know, Keon, a, a not probably not great pick and then some, you know, expiring contracts. Um, and we'll talk about Robert Covington in a lot more depth that he almost deserves his own podcast probably. Right. Um, but like Norm Powell, I don't really love the fit. Like he is a gunner, like, you know, this, it's funny you mentioned the passing game leaves something to be desired because his assist rate while he was on the Clippers, admittedly, again, in a tiny sample size was by far the highest of his career. Mm -hmm. 19.5% for his career. He's averaged 10.2%. Um, the highest in any season before this was 11.8. And that was years and years ago on the Toronto Raptors right. um, in a much, much lower usage role. So yeah, I, I'm not sure. I like, I think that him, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard is a ton of scoring and shooting. I don't know how much like passing and, and true playmaking there is like you know Kawhi and NPG can do that but they're not like ideal at it and you know I, I think a Reggie Norm PG Kawhi lineup works but that is really small 
Um, if you have like a Vita Zubots in there, maybe it works, but I don't know, you know, maybe Nick Batum, Robert Covington, like those lineups are, are pretty small. Um, and it's asking a lot of, you know, Kawhi Leonard to play power forward um, right. for extended stretches. So I, I don't know. Like, I think if he's a guy who's like a six man um, and in just like his job is really to help carry those bench units, especially in the regular season when um, PG and Kawhi are out and then to do some damage alongside of them. I like it a lot, but I, the fit alongside those guys I, is not super ideal to me. He's like another scorer who doesn't do like a ton of playmaking for others. Um, and defensively, is it's it's a bit of a question. I know he has a defensive reputation. He played in Toronto. He has that wingspan everybody talks about. And I think early in his career, he probably was a decent defender. But like a lot of guys, I think the reputation does carry over longer than the actual abilities do. Um, the last few years, by most metrics, he rates as kind of a poor defender. Um, you know, not abysmal, but not very good. And people in Portland and and uh, Toronto have confirmed as much to me where it's like, you know, he really was not very good. He was not the, the biggest of our issues, but he wasn't a plus defender. Maybe he can get that way in a smaller role again alongside Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and focus more on the defensive end of the court. But I don't, I wouldn't necessarily pencil him in as a good or even fine defender. I think he's kind of been below average the last couple of years. We'll see if he can turn that around. But yeah, I, I think there are some fit issues to be quite honest, but like mm. overall, like he's a super talented scorer. Like there's no doubt about that. He's a really efficient scorer on pretty high volume. He can score in a multitude of ways. He gets to the line. Um, he takes and makes a lot of threes. He can finish at the rim. Like he's a really talented scorer. There's no question. Um, there are just some fit issues that need to be worked out, but like I, it was a massive talent upgrade. I'm happy the Clippers were able to get him and, and Robert Covington, who's a guy I think they also want to keep and will keep, uh, for more or less scraps. So I, I think we'll talk about Keon Johnson in a bit. Yeah. You know, I think that, I think that's a really fair point. You would imagine that if you traded for a smaller guard, which Norm Powell was traded from Portland essentially because he is, he's six, three, uh, wingspan be damned. He, he's still six, three. Uh, you would hope that he, you would have a little bit uh, of playmaking chops for the Clippers because, right. uh, because of their deficits. Honestly, you have your, your smaller guards that you kind of rely on are Reggie Jackson, who we've kind of already talked about. He's a better playmaker, relatively speaking, than some of the other smaller guards because it's Norman Powell, who, like you mentioned, his assist rate has never been a fort, uh, you know, one of his strong suits. And Terrence Mann, who's 6'4", 6'3", plays bigger than that. Uh, and has been forced to play some point guard. And I'm going to talk about how that's not his position in a later podcast, but has been awkwardly forced to play point guard, but he is not a, a, a primary playmaker at all. I think if anything we've been, we've seen from Terrence Mann is he's not that guy. We've, no. Doc Rivers tried to put him in that role. We kind of awkwardly tried, you know, with, with Ty Lue, try to put him back in that role. It's just not his forte. And, and it's one of the, it's probably one of the weaker points of, it, of his game. So making him do that was not great. So trading for a smaller guard, who's just a flat out scorer um, kind of also makes you remember Lou Williams, who was not just a flat out scorer is a playmaker. The big reason he was such a good, you know, release valve quote unquote, because he was so good at getting others involved. He essentially got Mont Montrez Harrell, his sixth man of the year. And the Clippers just kind of don't have that guy. Um, not to call, you know, back for the true point guard stuff that have always been talked <laughs> about. I think just some playmaking it, it, more than anything is a nice thing to have. Uh, and Norm 
showed some flashes. I would I would say that a lot of his passes and pick and roll, as far as his assist percentage, probably came from that Dallas game because yeah. uh, he was he was trying real hard to get people involved. I really appreciated it. But that's really the only time I've really seen him kind of go out of his way. If that was something that he could do, I'd be excited. But it would be a new thing. So. I think that he kind of fits, even though he, he's uh, he's shorter because of his wingspan with the idea of switch everything Clipper basketball, and he won't get killed if we do that with Norm Powell. So that's a plus. I think that's why he helps fit the identity defensively. I think if Norm Powell is your shortest guy on the floor, you can get away with it. Um, but offensively, you kind of wonder how things will work when things get stuck in the mud and uh, and Norm Powell is your bailout guy. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if he's the shortest guy in your court that on the court, that means you're not playing Reggie Jackson. And, like, right, I think right. a Norm, PG, Kawhi, like, and then any two of, like, Nick Batum, Robert Covington, Marcus Morris is a very interesting small ball lineup. I mean, yep. you can have one of those guys in zoo and play, like, a more traditional lineup as well. And I think that would also be really good. Like, Norm Powell was a good player. Yeah, absolutely. I just it it is tricky, like you said, when you have smaller guards who are not very good playmakers. There is, as we make fun of with CJ McCollum all the time, um, you know, he's a, a great scorer, but like he really doesn't offer much as a playmaker, and it really right. limits his utility. Like, right. you know, how how much scoring upset offsets like the lack of defense and like just the lack of creation. So, mm-hmm. I, again, I think Norm Powell was a good addition, and like I think there are lineups that you know they could make it work. Um, and like, certainly I think, you know, a lot of these lineups when they play five out with him, PG and Kawhi, I mean, it's so much shooting. It might not even require that much <laughs> like high end playmaking or passing. Like it just needs one breakdown defensively and then some ball swinging. And then, mm-hmm. you know, which is the paint and spray. Like it's not necessarily about super crazy passing or playmaking. It's just about getting one advantage and levering that in incredible shooting and spacing into open threes. But like, yeah, I mean, I think it is it is something to worry about, and yeah. you know, we'll see we'll see how it works next year. I mean, we literally have not seen him play along Kawhi Leonard at least right. as a Clipper. They played together um, a bit back in Toronto, and he's only played what two games, four games alongside Paul George. So, right. um, yeah, like I, I'm very curious. I'm I'm excited to see him, but I I think there's some there's some issues that might need to be worked. Yeah, out. it's a, it, there's something to be desired when your best playmaker is Paul George and he has like a five to four assist to turnover ratio. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, let's take another quick break and, and talk about some scrubs, including Jay Scrub after this. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, 
they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. And we're back. So up next, we, we have uh, kind of some of our lower end of the roster guys to talk about. I can, I can mention Xavier Moon, who, who had great stats with, with Agua Caliente. He was like a 20 and 5 and 4 type of guy over there. Good split shot, about 40% from three over there. Uh, the ACC stats are always so weird on their website. So I'm just kind of going off, off of memory because I, I watched a ton of ACC this year. Not for, for uh, not for uh, Xavier Moon necessarily, but I happened to catch a lot of him. It was for Chris Dunn. It was way. for Chris Dunn, who deserves a mention on the scrubs. I don't care. <laughs> that he, he, I don't care that he didn't play a game as a Los Angeles Clipper guy. I, I, I'm still a guy. Anyways, uh, shout out Chris Dunn. So Xavier Moon um, signed a two-way deal pretty late into the season with the Clippers. He still played for Agua Caliente in their playoff run in their uh, conference finals run. Kudos to him. Um, smaller guard, uh, you know, his stats really aren't much to talk about. In fact, I'm probably not going to talk about them at all because I don't really think they do much justice for him. His ACC stats in general are probably merit more talk. You know, he's a, he's a nice you know, twitchy type of point guard with good handle, good speed, good acceleration. He's smaller, which is a big reason why I think it took so long to kind of sign him. He's only 6'2 uh, and 190 pounds. Uh, so he's not really a bigger guard. And we saw him get bullied a few times on defense as a, during his brief time as a clipper, but he's absolutely a scorer. He, he can run some plays at the point guard position. Um, he's, a, he's a pretty good shooter. We saw, I, I want to say it was in a road game. I forget against which team but he hit like two or three mid-range shots in a row. Uh, it was it was one of those games when we were losing by like 20 and he had a, he led like a fake comeback to cut it to 10. And that absolutely is part of his game. He's a scorer and he can shoot from anywhere. Um, he's on this two-way deal. It's, it's hard to say too much about Xavier as far as his long-term, you know, impacts with the Clippers. Good for him for getting Amir's two-way spot. I can see a lot of the potential in him, but just these smaller guards who aren't great defenders who can get kind of pushed around. It's, it's really just so many of them are, are on the fringes in the NBA. And it feels How like old he's is Xavier Moon. Xavier Moon. Um, he was born what in 95. So what he's, he's a, he's an older guy. He's like 27. Is that right? Wow. Yeah. 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 That's, the, the thing like I mean I, I just I don't really get it to be quite honest like I, I know he was good for the Agua Caliente Clippers you watched them a lot more than I did 
Um, like I think the the kind of quick twitch point guard is something Clippers fans have wanted for a while. Like right, right. Yogi Ferrell. When was that? Just last year? Was that two years that, ago? I that think? was that was just last year. Yogi oh Ferrell God. was part of that Memphis game. And he, he like had the assist at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like I, I get that. You know that type is has often caused the Clippers trouble. You know JJ Barea notoriously. Um, like these smaller fast guards. Um, but again, it returns to the issue of like, he's not a particularly great playmaker. Like he averaged 6.4 right. assists in the G league, which is, it's pretty good to 2.3 assists, uh, 2.3 turnovers. It's, you know, not bad. Um, but he's certainly not like a, a great passer playmaker, like a guy who's going to just run a ton of pick and rolls and continuously get open shots for guys. And he's not really a three point shooter. Like he hit 38% on 3.8 attempts in the G league, which again is like fine, but that's kind of low volume. He did not right. take many threes in the NBA. So like you, what you have is like a small guard who like operates mostly from the mid range and who's like an okay playmaker, okay shooter, not good defensively and is old. So like, I, you know, as a third point guard, you know, he's fine, I guess, but I, for a two-way deal, I would rather it go to a younger guy. I'm, I would actually be kind of surprised if he's on, on that two-way deal next year. I, To be quite honest, I think it's kind of a waste of a spot, but like, I, maybe they really like him. I think undeniably, everybody is in agreement on how good his vibes are, and like vibes right. are important. So like, right, if he's true. great on vibes, the Clippers might just punt that two-way spot and be like, you know, he can play backup point guard in a huge pinch, and he's everybody likes him. So... Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really see anything particularly exciting about him. Like, if he was twenty-two, you know, sure, like take a flyer on this guy who's fast and and has at least some, you know, playmaking and, and ball handling abilities. But as it is, I, I don't, I don't really see too much there. Yeah, let's mention another two-way guy, a Jay Scrub, who of course mm -hmm. was a was a late pick in twenty twenty, a pick number fifty-five, uh, twenty-one year old himself. He had a couple of really nice games with ACC, but the big thing that Clipper fans will probably remember him is playing a role in that big comeback uh, in Sh in Charlotte. Um, or was it the Wizards? Was it the Wizards? Oh, I'm sorry, you're right. It, it, was, it was Wizards. The Wizards yeah. There are so many comebacks. Uh, <laughs> there was no comeback in Charlotte. We just blew the hell out of them in Charlotte. But yeah, it was against the Wizards. He had like I want to say he was three for four and had eight quick points during that little yeah. third quarter, fourth quarter stretch where he essentially was, you know, that that score stopgap type of guy that you kind of think envision for Jay Scrub. He's not bashful. He doesn't, we already knew that from the end of last season, he's not afraid to get shots up. He's shown a lot of scoring potential. I mean, in the G league, he only played a couple of games uh, that I'm seeing here, but you know, he shot really well there. 46%, 41% from three in a couple of games where he uh, averaged a good, a cool 20 plus points. He averaged 24 points, a couple of games, hard to say much, but he clearly is a scorer. Um, how good of a scorer he is remains to be determined. You know, this, this was kind of supposed to be a bit of a prove it season for Jay scrub. He got, he got a, uh, he got injured, unfortunately, or hurt his yeah. ticket. He heard another his foot, foot injury. Another foot injury, needed surgery. Season was called off. Uh, he was in the press box a couple of times, which is cool <laughs> while I was up there. Um, and we weren't able to really see him progress like we kind of wanted to. So this was, for Jay Scrub, feels like a lost season for him. What, what do you feel about Jay? Yeah, it's really tough because, I mean, his first season, last season, was basically a lost season as well. Yeah, the, right. The Clippers right. drafted him knowing he had a foot injury. He was out almost the entire year rehabbing. He played four games at the very end of the season, had a nice couple of nice scoring games and complete garbage time contests, got Clippers fans very excited. 
um, and then had some nice scoring in summer league. And, you know, it overall just has not, he's played in 22 NBA games. Only the only game where any of his performances probably mattered at all was that wizards game. I think off the top of my head, I don't mm-hmm. think any of the other games yeah, you're right. he, he played any minutes that were meaningful. So like, we really have no idea if he's good or not. And he's been in the NBA for two seasons. That's kind of tough. Like, I mean, right. it's not his fault. He's had injuries. Um, and like my guess is, you know, the way two way deals work is like, usually I think it's a two year deal and then you can bring them back for a third year. The Clippers might bring it back for a third year. Like I, I think that they, they seem to like him. Um, and he is unlike, you know, moon, he is young. He is not even 22 yet. He turns 22 in September. So like, he's a guy who still has time to develop and, and grow as a player and stuff. Um, but he, just in his overall archetype, he's like another kind of score first guard that doesn't really offer a ton else in terms of playmaking or defending. Um, like he's not tiny, he's six, five and, you know, two twenty I think per basketball reference, which is, you know, not, not small. It's enough to be a viable defender against, you know, yeah, larger NBA guards and smaller wings and stuff. But, um, he hasn't really shown much on defense, but again, he's, he's barely played and it's only been in garbage time and nobody plays defense in garbage time. So yeah, I, I, it's hard to really have much of a takeaway. I, I, it's not really his fault, but I think the Clippers might move on from him just because to get a younger guy and a guy they have, you know, more years of control over in there. But like, he's theoretically like a bench scoring type with some size, and like that's kind of intriguing. So I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jay Scrub legendarily had that one good summer league game, the first one, and I got a lot of Clipper Twitter talking, and then sucked the rest of the way. Yes, uh, shout out to that time in my life. <laughs> what a time to be alive! <laughs> what a time! And let's uh. Before we we kind of wrap up with Keon Johnson, do shout outs to Semi Ojale, Rodney Hood. <laughs> um, who was the other guy? We were, we're going to talk about Wendy Gabriel. Wendy Gabriel, who's made a name for himself as, as a Laker. Congratulations and, and got a deal from the Lakers, I believe. Um, well, he, I feel bad for him though, because he made a name for himself as like, oh my God, the Lakers are starting Wendy Gabriel. Like their season is <laughs> over. And it's like, Wendy Gabriel is like the fifth best player on that team. He like, was. He was like a substantial player. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Keon Johnson, who also was was traded to a really, really bad team that had nothing but losses. One of the more significant tank jobs in NBA history, a team that was starting Chris Dunn. <laughs> uh, Keon Johnson did have a really nice three-game stretch with the Blazers with a couple of games at San Antonio and OKC where he went he went uh, 8 for 15, 8 for 15, 7 for 14. Um, that's really cool for Keon. Um, you know, we kind of saw flashes as a clipper as kind of a nice energy variables type of guy, a, a lot of great transition energy, could jump, has a very famous uh, vertical. vertical leap. So I think it was the highest the combine during the highest in combine history. I want to say believe so it was 45 inches, I think. Oh boy. Which is so, insane. And we saw some of that, not just on dunks, but on some crazy rebounds. Yeah. Uh, he, he's not, he's not quite the player that he's going to be, you know, his shooting splits are bad. His three point shot has a lot of work to, to, to be put in. Um, it was not, his energy was good. He seems like a guy that could make a difference on defense. Um, you know, I, I think there's some some potential for Keon. We didn't get to see much of it as a clipper, but it was enough to be the big young guy in the Norm Powell Robert Covington deal. So Keon Johnson, for as much as his you know potential he did not tap as a clipper, used a lot of that potential to help us in that trade. I'm forever grateful. I like to pretend that if we got Bones Highland, that the Blazers would not have traded us 
Norm Powell and Robert Covington. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Rob, Keon. Um, yeah, like I, I, I was fine with the pick. I can't remember what grade I gave it when the Clippers drafted him. Um, but I was fine with it. He's not who I would have drafted. I probably would have drafted Bones or there were a couple other guys who I really liked a lot. Yeah, you got me into Bones, Rob. I blame this on you. Yeah, he's, he's I, I watched every Bones highlight after we talked about him on the pod. Then he like he worked out with the Clippers. Like this is our guy. Like there was everything that I. I'm so I'm still. Anyways, that's Keon Johnson. Keep going. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I mean, I think he's the thing with Keon is the, the things in his favor are that he's young. He's really young. He's uh, he maybe just turned twenty sometime this year. He might still be nineteen. I think he turned Very twenty young. sometime during the season. He has decent measurables. He's like six five you know, a decent wingspan and he's super athletic and all those things means he's going to get tagged with potential. The issue is like his actual skill level is not very good. Like he, he, the shooting actually in Portland, again, you know, 22 game sample size, which is small on a team that was tanking and horrible and no team was taking seriously. He made 34.8% of his threes on four attempts. Like that's actually not bad. Like if he can keep that up and build on that, like that's, that's pretty solid. Yeah. Um, considering how bad of a shooter he was and, and how bad his form looks a lot of the time and all that kind of stuff. But like, there's just not a ton to work with. Like the dribble is very loose. The shot doesn't look very good. Um, he's undisciplined. So it's really about just a really raw prospect. A guy they were, with, they, you know, they were, pl- they were playing him at point in ACC, which I hate. I really hate when these guys that aren't point guards yeah. who are just physically bigger than the guys that they're guard that they're up there going up against like kind of dominate as a point guard in the G league. Like you're never going to do that in the NBA. So it's, I just, I really, I really feel like that's just not a good use of, of his talent, but sorry. Well, that's yeah. it's the issue with, it's the biggest issue with the G league, which is that it's not really a league. It's still just like a develop, like they can have right, a championship right. and playoff and whatever, but like the NBA teams use it for development. Like if the Agua Caliente Clippers are trying to win games, Keon Johnson would not have been playing point guard. I mean, he might not have been playing much at all, like he certainly would not have been playing point guard but the clippers are like we want to get him to develop ball handling and playmaking and just you know having you know more usage because like these other guys there are not in our plans like we want to see what this guy can do and i I think all that's well and good but like that's not the role he's going to play in the nba so i'm not sure how valuable those those reps were anyway but yeah like i mean i i think you know, he's a guy who has some promise, but like he wasn't even the most promising rookie on the Clippers. Um, and I say that as not like a gigantic Brandon Boston fan, but like Boston clearly kind of the more talented player, at least the more skilled player. He doesn't have the natural right. athleticism of Keon, but he's basically just as young as Keon. I think he's only slightly older yeah. and clearly has a lot more talent in terms of shot creation and, and handle and stuff. Um so yeah, like I, like Keon, I, I think might have a nice NBA career, but like, I, I haven't really, he's super raw. Like if he never ends up playing as a rotation player, it would not really surprise me. I hope he does. Like I, he seems to have a good personality. He plays really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, like he certainly can throw down some huge dunks and skies for some big rebounds. Those players are always fun. Like I, I wish him the best, but like, I'm, I'm totally fine on the Clippers kind of just moving him for, for actual NBA talent. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't necessarily miss him. I, I do think Keon profiles is a guy that can come off your bench, give you good defensive reps, good transition play. You know, I, he seems like one of those type of guys. Um, and I hope he fulfills it. You know, I, I think that um, 
he had some promise. He had some promise. Even with the Blazers, I watched some Blazer games too. He looked good. He looked good a few times. He had a nice alley from Chris Dunn. Shout out Chris Dunn. So, uh, <laughs> and I think that'll do it for this episode of the Gem the podcast. Uh, we're gonna do some more exit interviews on Sunday. And uh, that should be exciting. It's been fun to kind of recap some of these players. Leave us a nice five-star review, whatever platform you listen to us on. Five stars, five stars really helps. Some nice words too. And as always, go winter here if i had it my way it would stay winter all year long short days wind chill black ice and a good polar vortex oh <laughs> heaven wait is it getting warm in here your cold snap is over old man winter spring has arrived spring spring is here which means it's the perfect time to get away in the hyundai you've always wanted visit the hyundai getaway sales event where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning hyundai models like the tech-filled tucson and kona as well as the spacious palisade enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with america's best warranty and three years or thirty-six thousand miles of complimentary maintenance but hurry in these deals won't last add more joy to your journey at the hyundai getaway sales event now get zero percent apr or up to fifteen hundred bonus cash on the hyundai tucson now during the hyundai getaway sales event offers end soon call 562-314-4603 for details Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.